0: Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio Interactive live chat room at TNTradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Patrick Henningsen talks on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: TNT. TNT Today's News Talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Thank you very much for joining us on Tuesday. Uh, It's great to be back uh, in our studio as well. been broadcasting uh, on the road, and a special thanks to Basil Valentine uh, for filling in for us uh, in the previous episodes uh, last week. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about a number of important issues. One of them, of course, is we're going to be covering the uh, extradition appeal of Julian Assange, founder of WikiLeaks. We'll be talking about that with uh, multiple guests on this. We'll also be joined uh, by Basil himself for some commentary on this and the Middle East, uh, especially as things are really uh, shaping up not in a positive way, unfortunately, uh, regarding the situation uh, in Gaza. Uh, more people are being internally displaced, uh, pressed right up against the Rafah border crossing, the same time Israel's announced it's planning a military operation uh, in Rafah. So, this is clearly a major ethnic cleansing play by the regime. Uh, in Tel Aviv. We'll be breaking that down in absolute detail uh, here in the first hour. In the second hour, we're going to be joined uh, by Blake Lovewell, our contributor uh, at 21stCenturyWire.com, as well as here on TNT with the Patrick Henningsen Show. And Blake also has been on location uh, in London, and uh, he has some things to report. He'll be giving his observations and his commentary on the Julian Assange uh, situation as it shapes up and it's very interesting how this is being juxtaposed at the moment uh, with the story of Alexei Navalny. This is the uh, Russian uh, dissident or Russian, whatever you want to class him. I'm sure Russians have a different name for him. The West will call him the opposition leader of Russia. Now, as this is happening and his death is reported while in prison in Russia, uh, this is drawing very stark comparisons Uh, to the situation with Julian Assange, but not really in a positive way uh, for the West, because as they continue to uh, virtue signal and elevate uh, Navalny as this sort of great sort of champion of uh, democracy, you could say, uh, meanwhile, Julian Assange is languishing in arbitrary detention uh, now for, you know, going on 13 years, uh, if you want to total it up. And for what? He's not convicted of any crime. He is uh, supposedly in uh, custody in the UK because of a bail jumping charge that stems back to 2010 for a Swedish sex crime that was dropped uh, in the Swedish courts. Uh, They tried to restart that case three times, and I think it's dropped for the third time a few years ago. So it's neither here nor there. They they felt like this was the trigger, though, the British, uh, in order to keep Julian uh, incarcerated uh, at the pleasure of really the United States of America. So he's being held uh, in London on behalf of Washington. You can tell who calls the shots on this one. So Britain's doing its tag team act with the United States, which it performs so well uh, with each side saying, well, uh, well, you know, we're just all uh, have, uh, acting independently here and completely above board. And there's no agenda to uh, make sure Julian Sange dies in custody himself. Of course, uh, if you look at the abuse that he has undergone uh, in a Category A prison, and not even convicted of any crime, waiting an illegal uh, extradition to the United States, of course, because uh, if you look at the extradition treaty between uh, Britain and the United States, you'll soon find out that it is, in fact, unlawful and illegal for Britain to extradite any political prisoners uh, to the United States. And clearly, it's beyond any reasonable doubt. The evidence, the preponderance of evidence is clear. Julian Assange is a political prisoner. He's a political prisoner because of the, A, the involvement of the U.S. government and the CIA, uh, and also an assassination A a plot dreamt up or spun up by the likes of Mike Pompeo, uh, the former CIA director, uh, for a minute and a bit longer as Secretary of State under the Trump administration. Um, That's all been uncovered as well as uh, complete violations of his human rights, uh, his rights to due process, and all of these things that Julian Assange, unfortunately, has not been uh, given uh in the great uh moral beacon known as the g7 as the west the heartland of the rules-based international order none of that for julian uh he just has to wait and i don't know It'd be very convenient for the both the establishment in britain and the establishment in the united states that he does in fact die in custody that would sort of end the problem wouldn't it for uh, britain and the u.s and they would probably run some tv specials maybe even a BBC biopic or something like that. What what a great whistleblower uh, Julian was. What a sad thing uh, that he uh, unfortunately met his demise uh, while in custody under arbitrary detention for 13 years and counting, 13 years, unconvicted in a Category A supermax prison right now in southeast London. Uh, So, again, we'll go over some of the details of the current situation. Uh, And, you know, if my commentary seems hyperbolic to some people, uh, I don't think you've been following this case at all. Uh, if you have at least in the last four years or five years, uh, you will probably share my opinions on all of this. Um, myself and Chris Williamson, uh, and others were some of the few, uh, that went down to Belmarsh prison after Julian Assange was, uh, rendered with extraordinary rendition by the, uh, British, uh, police in the Ecuadorian embassy in Belgravia in London. I believe that was back in, if I'm not mistaken, April of 2019, uh, if I if I'm not mistaken, and he was rendered extraordinary rendition on Ecuadorian territory uh, and bundled off in a van and uh, dumped in uh, Supermax prison, uh, Belmarsh prison. So that's what happened. Uh, you know, Chris was there, I was there, Lee Stranahan was there, George Galloway was there. Uh, there were a few people down there. I could count them on, uh, you know, a few hands, Um, but nobody seemed to take much notice of it. Nobody was too concerned about it until it became a high-profile case of concern. That was in uh, January and February of 2020, Uh, and then the issue was really picking up steam. It was really picking up steam uh, outside of Belmarsh Prison then with the Woolwich Crown Court, which is a fixed to Belmarsh Prison uh, there in Southeast London, crowds were building, people were coming all the way over from uh, during the course of that last 12 months there from 2019 to 2020, large groups of people coming over from France, coming from Europe, all to support Julian Assange demanding his release. Of course, Craig Murray uh, was there as well uh, to cover all of those court proceedings, as he has been a fantastic resource on all of these high-profile cases, probably the best court reporter, best court journalist, uh, really, that we've seen in the modern era, if you really want to be frank about it. Uh, But that became an issue of concern. All of a sudden, COVID happened. March, March 17th, 2020. The virus appeared out of nowhere, uh, magically, uh, and shut the world down. And in fact, shut down Julian Assange's uh, appeal hearings there at Woolwich Crown Court. They had a star lineup of expert witnesses coming from all over the world uh, to bat for Julian on that. That would have been an absolute media tsunami the crowds were building. Uh, They even had to pause proceedings in Woolwich, if I remember correctly, I was there, in the gallery during that hearing uh and i remember the, the the drum beats outside so loud that they were having trouble uh with the noise inside the courtroom that's how powerful uh the crowds that were building became uh, and all that came to a screeching halt of course thanks to COVID. Uh, so again boris johnson one of his great uh, victories as he fought off the microscopic particle known as sars cov 2. There we are. That was history. And that was the end of uh, Julian's high-profile uh, crowd that was was amassing to support him uh, in 2020. And the whole thing got buried. And they buried him back in Belmarsh. And uh, all the sort of public gatherings and things were curtailed, not just for Julian, but for everybody else. So that's history, ladies and gentlemen. That's how it all happened. And now we're back again. Now it's back are right in the high-profile status category. Uh, the people are out. TNT is also on the ground in London. We'll talk about all that and more with Basil Valentine on the other side. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Now, as we move into an election year in US politics at a time when the Western empire is under attack from within, as if an orchestrated decline is the plan whilst at the same time the rise of BRICS nations represents a rise of a new multipolar order. Institutions that have controlled the world are at last being questioned for their behaviour and their failures. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, and the truth shall set us free. Those two statements sit at opposite ends of the zeitgeist in a world that is filled with death, destruction, deceit, and a wholesale unwillingness to hold anyone in power to account except for anyone who takes power against the ruling elite, of course. And then we have seen how that system works. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk, TNT. <laughs> still wearing a cloth or surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk
1: Radio, TNT. Welcome back, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to TNT Today's News Talk. I'm Patrick Kenningson, your host. It's great to have you back. And uh, the the high profile case right now uh, at the High Courts in London is the final appeal for Julian Assange. What's he appealing? Extradition to uh, the United States of America supposedly under the espionage act computer intrusion all sorts of spurious charges we'll talk about that more uh in the second hour we're going to be welcoming onto the program in hour number 2 Chris Williamson Former British uh, MP from Derby, uh, the host of Palestine Declassified, with the great David Miller, uh, two fantastic uh, presenters, and have become great journalists and great voices on the issue of Gaza. But Chris will be talking about the Assange case uh, at the top, of the second hour. Looking forward to that, and of course Blake Lovewell our uh, other correspondent who's on the ground in London. He'll be joining us uh, later in the second hour. Right now, however, uh, we want to do a hard pivot back to the Middle East, back over the Mediterranean, into the Levant, talking about the issue of Gaza. Things are heating up in a way that, well, a lot of us saw this coming, but it's nonetheless horrifying. I want to bring Basil Valentine back onto the program. Basil, welcome to the show today. How are you?
2: Very well, thank you, Patrick. Good to be with you. And hello to our viewers and listeners all around the world. It's very different being this side of the fence, being the guest (laughs) rather than the host, Uh, I must admit.
1: Being on the right-hand side of the screen as opposed to the left-hand side of the screen. Um, I see Big Ben behind yes. you, so in all, all of its glory there on the bank of the Thames. Basil Valentine, uh, where are we right now uh, with the situation in the Middle East? I know all the focus right now, a lot of the focus in the alternative media is on Julian Assange, and rightfully so. Uh, things have come to yes. a head with his final appeal, but uh, things are also coming to a head, aren't they, uh, in Rafa with the situation in Gaza. Israel's endgame, uh, or what they believe is their endgame, seems to be very closely in sight for them in Washington and the Zionist lobby. That great ethnic cleansing, that final solution to the, quote, Palestinian problem, that's what they've got their eyes fixed on right now.
2: Well, we really are coming to a crunch, both on the ground and diplomatically. First of all, I always think we have to talk about what's happening on the ground, because so much of the oxygen in the room is taken up by the diplomatic machinations and the motions and, you know, Tony Blinken flying around the world and all the rest of this stuff. And uh, we really need to keep the focus on the what the World Health Organization is describing as the indescribable destruction in and around the NASA hospital. The World World Health Organization has issued a lengthy statement just this morning describing a mission to transfer patients within the Gaza Strip and reporting that its staff said the destruction around the NASA hospital is indescribable. It's also accused Israel of hindering and refusing its attempts to provide medical services to Gaza's population now if I may I'd like to read part of this statement by the WHO the WHO led 2 life-saving missions to transfer 32 critical patients including two children from the NASA medical complex in southern Gaza on the 18th and 19th of February Um, the transfer of patients was requested by the hospital staff after the facility became non-functional following a military raid on the 14th of February after a week-long siege weak and frail patients were transferred amidst active conflict near the aid convoy NASA hospital has no electricity or running water and medical waste and garbage are creating a breeding ground for disease who staff said the destruction around the hospital is indescribable the area was surrounded by burns and destroyed buildings heavy layers of debris with no stretch of intact road an estimated 130 sick and injured patients and at least 15 doctors and nurses remained inside the hospital it goes on to say that due to unforgiving road conditions a team had attempted to reach the complex on foot they were only permitted to examine the generator which had ceased functioning after running out of fuel during both missions senior World Health Organization staff clearly identified themselves uh, and requested approval from the Israelis to assess patients and evaluate hospital functionality. And these requests were denied. Now, what denying requests from WHO staff to examine patients and assess the functionality of the hospital has to do with Hamas? I have absolutely no idea
1: and so the we haven't we haven't overcome this this issue this trend from the beginning of the hostilities uh back in october uh basil whereby the israelis are deliberately targeting hospitals and medical facilities i mean if you if you consider all the war crimes of war crimes you know drive hurting people around uh through bombing campaigns pushing them into zones, bombing them there, but also bombing their wounded, bombing uh, expected mothers, bombing maternity wards, all the things that they accused uh, the Russians of doing uh, over the years or Assad, uh, but with scant evidence that that was the case. Here we have a perfect case of it with a plethora of evidence. The preponderance of evidence is damning on this war crime with Israel, and yet they continue. How many months into this conflict are we? What, the fifth month? Already, I can't even believe we're having this conversation.
2: Yes, uh, who can forget the hoo-ha over the first bombing of a hospital back in October, which was denied by the ADF. It was claimed that was a Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket misfiring, and everybody realized that you know hospitals should not be attacked. That's why uh, Israel apologists were seeking to deflect the blame they are not deflecting the blame anymore it's completely impossible to do so the scale of the devastation is not something we anticipated Uh, the United Nations agency UNICEF has warned that the Gaza Strip is poised to witness an increase in what an official has said is the already unbearable level of child deaths due to a worsening food crisis it says more than 90 percent of children under five years old in Gaza are in food poverty with a similar percentage affected by infectious diseases and 70% experiencing diarrhoea in the last two weeks. I mean, you know, this is, what What on earth has this got to do? Uh, this level of collective punishment of, uh, you know, seeking to essentially commit genocide by starvation. This is absolutely you know unprecedented stuff in the 21st century imagine for a moment that uh, arab nations were doing this to the population of israel starving them to death we would never hear the end of it about the recreation of concentration camps the wailing and gnashing of teeth would never cease and yet you have to dig around on the so-called corporate media to find out that this is what's going on
1: and also, we're starting to see more kind of uh, upfront statements, uh, a lot more chutzpah uh, regarding uh, the military ground operation, uh, which Israel is preparing uh, for Rafah. I mean, isn't it kind of obvious looking at the maps, the statements that are being released? by the Israelis, the total supine attitude, uh, from everyone in Washington, everyone's just kind of stum, uh, it's kind of backing off, you know, mumbling under their breath. Oh, this is terrible. What's going on. Meanwhile, uh, it's happening right in front of our eyes, Israel's l- releasing statements, pretty much saying that they want to herd the Palestinians into the Sinai desert. I mean, is, is, is Egypt not preparing some sort of a, a, a corridor or space for a refugee camp? I mean, certainly that's what it's looking like. And then that would also raise an interesting question, uh, Basil. What about the complicity here? Uh, or is there any coordination between the Israelis and the Egyptians? I'm sorry to bring up the sore subject. Um, and I know Egypt has to basically cater for all possibilities if this is a fait accompli. Is this a fait accompli?
2: Uh, No, it most definitely isn't. Um, There's tremendous pushback against the possibility of mass ethnic cleansing. I mean, I think even the Americans realise that, you know, that in anybody's book, that's a war crime. Bernie Sanders was pressed about whether uh, Israel is committing genocide and uh, he was his usual mealy-mouthed self talking about how... uh, Uh, It was all terribly tragic and everything, but he was not comfortable with the word genocide being used. But in New York at the United Nations, in Brussels at the European Union, uh, in The Hague, in Cairo, in Rio and even in Westminster, uh, a set of subtle and interrelated diplomatic dances, according to The Guardian correspondent, Patrick Winter are underway. Even Israel's foremost supporters are trying to put the squeeze on their ally while avoiding making undiluted calls for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza that they fear would leave a battered Hamas in charge. The leading Arab state on the United Nations Security Council, Algeria, is seeking a vote today in New York on its resolution calling for a humanitarian ceasefire and supporting the provisional orders issued against Israel by the ICJ three weeks ago. Meanwhile, the U.S. has declared that it will veto the resolution, having already come to Israel's defense in this manner since October the 7th, twice before. Um, Now, we know that uh, Netanyahu does not want any kind of ceasefire. He doesn't want any kind of... Uh, even pause in the massacre uh, that leaves any remnants of Hamas in place and the level of civilian casualties is completely and utterly immaterial to him Um, in a lengthy statement issued yesterday however that dreadful uh, US ambassador to the UN Linda Thomas Greenfall uh, explained the thinking of the Biden administration, if you can call it thinking, the U.S. is working on a hostage deal, which would bring an immediate and sustained period of calm to Gaza for at least six weeks, and from which we could then take the time and steps to build a more enduring peace. So, mm,
1: yeah, you know, the take. Take the time and steps to uh, rearm uh, Israel to get the bombs, uh, the JDAM bombs shipped, the ammunition, the artillery. Isn't that what uh, Linda Thomas-Greenfield is talking about uh, when she's talking about a pause? It's a pause to rearm the Israelis, because I don't see anybody uh, giving any serious consideration to a ceasefire, just full stop. At what point does the killing uh, become too much, and I also notice the downplaying of the casualty numbers coming out of Gaza. They're well in excess of thirty thousand. The deaths right now, in terms of Palestinians, they're still reporting it as twenty six thousand for the last month. How is that possible?
2: Uh, obviously, we don't know how many children are dying of starvation in Gaza every day. Uh, it might be dozens. It might be hundreds. Uh, we don't know how many lives are going to be foreshortened as a result of the uh, starvation and rampant diseases. Uh, the, the situation there on the ground is hell on earth, quite literally. Um, you know, nothing to eat, uh, no shelter, no clean water, no sanitation, uh, lots of people living in tents. And those tents themselves have been strafed with machine gun fire, from Israeli gunboats, believe it or not. You're not even safe in a tent on the beach. You're liable to be shot at uh, from the sea. Uh, Now, just going back to the diplomatic dancing, um, the wording of the US statement on Monday night uh, caused waves because it called for an immediate ceasefire, something the US has not previously said, although it added the rider as soon as practicable now what on earth is that supposed to mean i mean it's surely practicable to shot, stop the killing immediately um the u.s has also opposed the so-called buffer zone israel is always imposing buffer zones that basically involve stealing more land whether mm. that's uh you know up in the uh, golan heights or around gaza or West Bank or anywhere, mass displacement uh, and a ground offensive. These are the things that the US resolution is trying to prevent Uh, the US, apparently trying to limit Israel's options and advance the negotiations in Cairo. In Brussels, where EU diplomats are meeting, uh, the language is simpler. Uh, The Foreign Affairs Council agreed on the necessity of an immediate humanitarian pause. We're back to that one, Patrick, the old humanitarian pause, a humanitarian pause that would lead to a sustainable ceasefire, the unconditional release of hostages held by Hamas, and the provision of humanitarian assistance to Palestinians. But I mean, all this is fraught with problems, including the provision of humanitarian assistance, because we know that large sections of Israeli society uh, and indeed its ministers are opposed to providing
1: humanitarian assistance i'm also going to throw in there just just as a caveat here you know if if israel's successful in uh pushing you know hundreds of thousands of palestinians into the sinai desert and making them into refugees um this is only going to lead to an eventual Uh, fight between Israel and Egypt, Uh, because as we both know, Basil, at one point, Israel uh, did occupy the Sinai Peninsula. That is part of the greater Israel project. If you look at the maps, Uh, and this is only attempting a confrontation later down the line, another Arab-Israeli war that's almost uh, set You know if this is if this comes to pass that's something people aren't really considering because of course if there's extremism in the so-called refugee camps in the sinai israel will will give itself carte blanche to move in uh to deal with quote the problem you can see this is just a vicious cycle but uh, i want to go back to a conversation uh you had on this program yesterday with uh the veteran journalist sam husseini uh and he's also been pushing Uh, some of these important issues in the state department briefings uh that he's attending and uh you know with the u.n security council uh coming up basil uh we see a possibility that this might just make its way into the general assembly as sam husseini was talking about uh, under the united for peace resolution and then we have more uh heavy uh, restrictions and uh, censures coming down upon the Israelis, where are we in all this process between the Security Council uh, and the GA, the General Assembly, as a result of the ICJ uh, interim ruling on this? Do you have anything uh, new or any analysis on this, uh, Basil?
2: Uh, I think we're going to have to wait until the Israelis produce their report, which is due next the end of next week, on exactly how they've been protecting palestinian civilians i mean that really is going to be a bizarre document uh, as we speak i don't believe that the sort of mass aerial bombardment that has turned most of gaza into rubble is still underway there was the uh, heavy raid the night of the super bowl if you remember um mm. but i don't believe the sort of you know two thousand pound bombs are being dropped every day uh, at the moment you know i think the israelis are limiting themselves to destroying hospitals and uh, snipers shooting children in their head um I, I want to refer as well to the conversation i had with dr yasser khan at the end of last week uh, where he pointed out that uh, in his time in the hospital in khan yunis he didn't treat anybody over the age of 17. Okay. I mean, that's a very, very horrific, sobering thought, isn't it? You know, it didn't treat anybody over the age of 17. So, but back to your point about the UN. Well, you know, the next thing, sort of the big thing at the UN is tomorrow, will the Security Council uh, go for uh, Algeria's uh, resolution or will it adopt the American resolution? I have a feeling it will adopt the American resolution, uh, which would without doubt pass unanimously unless there was some diplomatic shenanigans from the Chinese or perhaps even the Algerians or the Russians that the uh, American resolution wasn't strong enough I mean it would be terrible if no resolution was passed because the Americans felt the Algerian resolution was too strong and others felt the American resolution wasn't strong enough I mean I think they've got to get a resolution through, and uh, that would, for the first time—I mean, goodness knows how many times the United States have vetoed UN resolutions uh, critical of Israel—that would be the first time that uh, the U.S. has backed a resolution that, in any way, seeks to restrain Israel. Uh, so, uh, you know, we must hope that that comes the case, although you know judging by the language coming out of Tel Aviv it's not going to make any difference um Brazilian president Lula da Silva said earlier this week that uh, uh, what the Israelis are doing to Gaza is like what Hitler did to the Jews in World War II he was immediately declared persona non grata by Israel not surprisingly and since then uh, uh, Brazil has withdrawn its ambassador from tel aviv and sent the israeli ambassador home uh, reports are saying that all diplomatic uh, relations have been broken off i don't know if that's entirely the case i don't know that the brazilians have completely closed their embassy yet but it certainly represents a major downgrade in relations and wow. uh, others may follow suit uh that, if this goes is- on much longer
1: That is absolutely significant. Uh, Brazil is not an insignificant nation. Uh, leading member of the BRICS uh, as well uh, carries a large weight uh, in the United S- United Nations in terms of consensus building uh, and then internationally in the global South and South America they're the powerhouse economy so I mean that is yes. a devastating blow for Israel let's talk about that and other countries that are lining up uh, and opposing Israel including Algeria and others uh, it's been some interesting developments those continue on with Basil Valentine right now uh, we're talking about the Middle East and how this situation this crisis is going from bad to worse can we find a way to get through to some sort of an impasse at least at least to stop the killing in gaza by the israelis all this and more on the other side i'm patrick kennings your host this is tnt today's news talk we'll be right back de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective
0: one of the things if you're putting forth a new idea or you have an idea that you think is revolutionary and can actually lead to a change in the way people look at things is that that idea can start owning you. Now, if you've been listening to me on TNT, I've been talking about something called hydrothermal vents. The reason I got into this is because they affect the weather, that if these hot spots develop in the ocean, well guess what? The re- weather reacts and I'm just getting sick and tired of them developing out of nowhere and basically catching me off guard. I don't like it. When I put together a weather forecast, I'm looking at certain events going on in the atmosphere and then if something happens in the oceans that changes that and then the atmospheres react. I can't see that stuff. In any case, I've been pushing this hydrothermal vent idea for quite some time. And a lot of people say you have no peer review. Well, first of all, I've walked up and down many beaches and reviewed the peers out there, but that's a different kind of peer. They have no peer review that it's not happening. And I'm going to quote, from an article and the name of the article is how hydrothermal vents and other seabed structures heat our oceans that says this overwhelming amounts of reliable information taken from hundreds of research studies that's right hundreds and you don't even know about them because no one wants you to prove that emissions of superheated fluids and gases from the estimated 10 million ocean floor geological features including these hydrothermal vents, are responsible for warming the Earth's oceans, not human activities. If you find out what is warming the oceans, that is the key to what's warming the atmosphere, and it would blow the whole missive out of the water. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Vestardi, asking you to enjoy the weather, it's the only weather you got.
1: Prescription drug pricing points to corporate Freedom of the press is about your right to know. Sheer athleticism. It's about your right to be informed. The Today, no. there are real threats to press freedom and your right to know about the world around us. We must protect our right to know, no matter what kind of news is important That's to you. Question. Before it's too late, understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. This is The Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio back, folks. Welcome back to this live broadcast. I'm Patrick Henningsen. We are on TNT Today's News Talk live and direct for the next two hours. Great to have you with us. Also great to have everybody in the TNT chat community. I uh, see you guys. Uh, yeah, missed you last week. Great to see you guys in there. Appreciate you guys keeping it alive uh, when I was away uh, on the road, uh, and we have a thriving community in there. That's where you wanna be during the live broadcast. I see some of the regular familiar faces, the usual suspects hanging out uh, in our fantastic chat community. You can access that by the TNT Radio app or TNT tntradio.live on the URL. Go to the lower right-hand corner, you'll see the red bubble. That is the chat community. Log in and stay logged in. It's that easy. Great system we have there for our listeners let's bring basil valentine back onto the program uh now basil uh it, 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 a lot of people have downplayed uh the uh the icj uh ruling significance saying that uh well clearly israel's not taking any notice Of international law. They're not sort of, you know, abating any of their aggressions, uh, the killing, the mayhem, all of these stuff that they've been accused of, genocide, ethnic cleansing. Um, They haven't slowed down at all. So, you know, what's the point of international law? Well, uh, actually, There's a number of countries that have now used this as a springboard to mount their actions against Israel. There's already talk of sanctions from a number of countries. I think it's possible that Brazil uh, could be one of the first major countries to enact sanctions uh, upon Israel. This is a historic thing if you consider only the United States and its allies uh, have been permitted previously to sanction anyone that they don't like. Uh, but it never goes the other way uh, against the U.S. or its allies. Um, From this point of view, Basil, I think this is historic. I think we're going to start seeing more of this because they have international law on their side, and they have the moral high ground on this issue. Uh, Your thoughts?
2: Well, sanctions don't appear to have done the Russians too much harm, but by contrast, Uh, I've seen reports that the Israeli economy has tanked by 20% uh, in the fourth quarter of last year and is continuing to deteriorate further, uh, and that as many as a million Israeli citizens have left the country since October the 7th, which is an absolutely extraordinary number. I was very surprised to see that. I don't know if that's the that the total population is down by a million that would be really bizarre I, I'm surprised if that is the case that it hasn't been more widely reported I mean I think whether or not sanctions are applied by nation states certainly individuals around the world are set to uh boycott Israel there's a big fight about to go on over the Country's participation in Eurovision um, with uh, letters in support and opposed to its participation circulating and being signed by various celebrities and pop stars. So, certainly, uh, you know, whereas BDS, the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, uh, was outlawed in some US states, believe it or not. And uh, as recently as six weeks ago, the united kingdom parliament passed a resolution which made it illegal for uh, local councils and other government bodies to uh, sanction israel um i think bds is obviously going to get a huge shot in the arm from this mcdonald's starbucks uh, numerous other companies closely associated with israel are all suffering major uh, losses and downturns in profitability and trade. So, um, you know, people talk about, you know, in the I H R A definition of singling out Israel for criticism. Well, I think if uh, any country massacres 35,000 civilians in its neighbor, uh, maims uh, thousands more, and seeks to starve the rest to death, uh, I think it's fair enough to single them out, don't you, Patrick?
1: No, I think so. Uh, the interesting thing about Starbucks, uh, which is <laughs> they they're not actually Israeli owned, but how they got in, they got caught in the crosshairs is. Uh, the you know the ownership or the board or the management or whatever at the corporate level were putting down an employee uh, sort of union action in where the employees of Starbucks uh, was wanted to support Israel and are sort of be involved in BDS, and they put that down pretty swiftly and with great force. That's what got publicity and they've been reaping the whirlwind from that ever since. So they're totally like pulling their hair out at Starbucks HQ, like screaming, we're not Israeli-owned, we're not an Israeli business, but they're getting hammered uh, nonetheless. I mean, so that jo- that goes to show you um, how, how effective um, this is, whether you agree or not with the Starbucks uh, boycott, uh, they're, they're, their ownership or at the board level or whatever, they took a position early on uh, on this Palestinian issue, and it went against them badly. I mean, it cost them. Um, but that's not to say nothing about the actual uh, other Israeli businesses. But McDonald's is the same. McDonald's was giving free food to the IDF. You remember that, Basil? Uh, meanwhile, people are starving. You know? So, so th- th- this is, this is uh, I think it's been very effective, actually, uh, BDS. There's a lot of critics, Basil, saying, oh, BDS doesn't do anything. Don't support it. Um, you know, it's the, le- the, it's the progressive left are just hijacking the Palestinian issue for, you know, to get traction for LGBTQ, etc. cetera. I don't think that is, uh, true. There is astroturfing, but that's politics as usual. Everyone has astroturfing issues, but I don't think that is the issue. I think BDS is going to be very effective going forward as it has now new life breathed into it, uh, in the last five months, your thoughts.
2: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people are still in shock. I mean, I think, you know, all right thinking humanitarians are in shock about what they're witnessing and what we continue to witness every day. It's become very challenging to tune into the, you know, accurate news services, Al Jazeera, Quds News Network and others primarily on X and just see this absolute horror show day after day after day people become desensitized to it you know um the latest is that israel is now ordering further mass evacuations from northern gaza believe it or not Uh, and all this at the time where one in six children is at immediate risk of starvation by the way um all all the risk uh, while the icj uh is also hearing on a day-to-day basis the case against the occupation um, which uh, various submissions today from Brazil, 50 different countries, Chile, Algeria, uh, you know, all around the world are making statements about the occupation itself, uh, the denial of resources, so on and so forth. So there's a sort of, you know, the diplomatic and legal pressure is building all the time but of course the israelis are completely oblivious to it they don't they just carry on regardless i mean this latest you know ordering people to evacuate northern gaza which is almost entirely in ruins where exactly are they supposed to go you know and what gives israel the right to order palestinian civilians around like cattle you know i mean that. The whole hmm, framework in which things are now being discussed and uh, uh, that Israel is operating, I I keep coming back to the point because the desensitization of the Palestinian people and their dehumanization is so complete that people read headlines like, you know, Israel orders further evacuations from northern Gaza, kind of read past it. Imagine if it was... Uh, Egypt or Jordan order further evacuations from the rubble of Tel Aviv. You know, people would be screaming. Uh, But what they are screaming about, of course, because remember that in all this anti-Semitism in the UK is far, far more troubling. Somebody put a Palestinian sticker over the Star of David on the Amy Whitehouse statue in London what a terrible terrible crime i mean you know Jimmy. blowing people's legs off that's fine you know blowing toddlers legs off before they can walk that's okay but sticking a palestinian sticker on uh on a star of david oh oh you know um you know we've got to get back to what real world harm actually counts uh the daily telegraph is running with a story today about a woman um complaining about People staring at her Star of David uh, necklace. I mean, honestly, and this Basil. is cited as an example of anti-Semitism. Perhaps they're admiring it. You know, staring—that's the new—that's the new genocide. Who knew it?
1: Staring is the new genocide, Basil. How dare you? How dare you? How dare Minimize. you? How dare you compare real-world harm with the anxiety and that's the. Right. Uh, the uncomfortable feelings that people get because they're being stared at. How dare you actually compare that that suffering to actual real-world harm? Real-world harm and actual genocide, is, it's neither here nor there. Nobody's interested in that. What we're really interested in is the anxiety-inducing themes in the media and stickers and uh, whatever else. I mean, trauma. Well, the,
2: the, absolutely. The, the, the default position is the, the leveling of Gaza – and the mutilation and massacre and starvation of so many children is all hamas's fault that's the israeli position all of it is hamas's fault um you know the the hospital's being blown up that's hamas's fault because they're hiding in them starving the children well we have to cut off the aid because some of it might go to hamas
1: you know yeah they, they uh, say it every five minutes in the israel media this could all end this should, could all end tomorrow if if hamas just surrenders and gives the hostages back i mean talk about gaslighting and propaganda and they do the same thing if you notice the same gaslighting tactic Is used with Russia and Ukraine, Uh, NATO, Jan Stoltenberg, all the Western great and the good will say, well, this 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 proxy war could end tomorrow if uh, Putin just surrenders uh, and, you know, goes back to uh, 1991 borders uh, as if nothing happened in between 1991 and now. Uh, that was any of any consequence. So it, it's the same type of propaganda, uh, gaslighting technique there to avoid any uh, diplomatic uh, negotiations, any meaningful context uh, to what we're looking at here, and just framing it in a very narrow fashion. That it all started just a couple of months ago. and Before that, everybody was skipping through the uh, uh, fields of <laughs> wow. daisies, arm in arm, Palestinians right. and 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 Israelis uh, with picnic baskets and singing songs together together uh and and living cohabitating in in peace and harmony before october 7th that's the vision that the western media uh and the israelis like to inculcate uh into uh their audiences but we all know that that's not actually the case those of us living in the real world uh dare i say so uh yeah heretics heretics like us and others like us
2: well it's the most egregious example of victim blaming uh that i've ever witnessed really you know that's that's what it boils down to it's uh you know we've we've killed your family and it's your fault you know is effectively what there's really just so sinister really patrick that's the only way to describe it
1: yeah, and it's not apartheid. Uh, we're told constantly every five minutes uh, that Israel is, is very compassionate. They drop leaflets before they flatten people's neighborhoods. Uh, they're giving that's people nice. fair warning, saying, go to the beaches, uh, go go into the, the the desert. It's safe there. We're going to flatten your city. Uh, anybody who's standing in the way, unfortunately, is just going to be collateral damage. And that's all Hamas's fault. We haven't killed anybody. We haven't killed any Palestinians, says the IDF. Hamas has killed them. Hamas is effectively.
2: Killed
1: and, yeah. And, and there's so many, uh, you know, completely bereft of any intelligence uh, in the West who will swallow that, that that methodology uh, and sort of think that that is actually the case. I mean, it just shows you how uh, impressionable people are in the 21st century. We think we would learn a f- every-
2: A few things. Yes, exactly. Every Israeli accusation is a confession. That's become one of the mantras of the last few months. And the latest, of course, is the UN report, which has said there are credible allegations of egregious human rights violations of Palestinian women and girls by Israeli security forces, including rape and strip searches as motivated, you know, by what what, what can you say, you know, so
1: yeah I know I know it's uh, the, the, and that goes back that documentation goes back a long way uh, and in the Israeli no media you can read about it in in their own courts at least they have courts uh, the civil courts for, for their side not for the Palestinians they go through military courts uh, in arbitrary detention Basil Valentine thank you very much for joining us fantastic reporting as always
2: thank you Patrick
1: top of the hour news headlines are coming up and on the other side we're going to hit the Julian Assange appeal uh, story hard uh, with uh, Chris Williamson former MP uh, from Derby uh, in the UK and also Blake Lovewell hopefully will join us in the latter part of the second hour and Patrick Henningson. stay right there we'll see you in a few minutes